Mi gente, this podcast episode is sponsored by a fellow podcast called Dominicans in Tech, which is an initiative for the Ministry of Industry, Commerce, and Small Medium Enterprises of the Dominican Republic. They are on a mission to connect with Dominicans in the tech sector around the world and tell their full, powerful stories that will inspire future generations to enter this sector. Check out this podcast. The link is in the show notes. And it's just a really cool initiative. In the episode, you made it seem like, no, like I just learned how to, how to like just well, navigate, was, read the movements, et cetera. I said I was good at it. I didn't say I enjoyed it. I didn't say I loved it. <laughs> I think there's a big difference, right? Because you can learn how to be good at something. Doesn't mean you love it. Doesn't mean it's the real you. I have a friend who's so good at finance and he can't stand it, but he's good at it. And I'm sure it's killing his soul to keep showing up that way. Like I was, I was trained and almost, um, there's a really good book by uh, Don, Don Miguel Ruiz and he talks about human domestication. We become the domesticated versions of ourselves. And to an extreme point, I once had a mentor tell me in response to me saying I was going through so many things time and she said, Mia, you've been sanitized. Because I was showing up the way that I thought everyone needed me to show up. Mi gente, dímelo. Welcome to another episode of the Quien Tu Eres podcast brought to you by Plural. You already know it's your boy Pavel, bringing you another special episode with another very special guest. For the first time in the history of this podcast, we actually have a two-part series. So Eliana and I actually recorded a full episode, and what you're going to hear in this week's episode is actually the 30 minutes that we had after our recording. We just continued talking and chatting, and this week you're going to hear a little bit of the behind the scenes. The next week, I'm going to share her full episode and a little bit more about her background and story. Before getting into the full episode, let me give you a quick bio on Eliana. Eliana Murillo is a Mexican-American originally, originally from Oxnard, California. She graduated from Harvard College in 2010, was included in the Forbes 30 under 30 list in 2017, and was listed as one of the top 50 most powerful Latinas by Alpha in 2018. To get a full bio, please check out the show notes. With that said, let's get into the episode. Being my authentic self for me feels so exciting and relaxing at the same time. It feels like I don't have to perform to be somebody I'm not. And it makes life so much more interesting and better because then I know if I'm being my real authentic self, people are receiving the truest version of me which means that that's the reaction I'm getting to the real me. If I'm being a fake version of me, I can attract the wrong people into my life. I can interact with people who aren't meant for me. They're not meant to be on my path because they only perceive the version of myself I let them interact with. And so as I try to continue to be more and more authentic, I think in the last few years, I've really, really paid more attention to that because I was trying to be likable for a long time or appropriate. And there's some level of that in, probably for the rest of my life that I'll want to be, you know, know, know the audience, read the room, things like that. But I was attracting a lot of people who had a very different impression of what our dynamic was going to be like, because I was always on and I would bring all this energy and then they'd get almost sad or scared or like, are you okay if I was just chilling? Or sometimes your authentic self just needs to chill. And so I think that the more we give ourselves permission to be our full selves, 
the more we attract other people who encourage us to be our real selves. And it makes life that much more rich and interesting because then you're attracting even more awesome people and you feel good about wherever you are. Like, I love that there's people I know who will hang out with me even if my hair is in a trunk and a mess with no makeup on, they're not going to say, oh no, you're not stage ready. I can't have this conversation. They're just going to spend time with me. So I think being my authentic self and knowing they're getting the real version of me allows me to love myself even more. Cause I'm like, oh, I'm not doubting if they want to interact with me or not, because they are no matter what I look like, no matter how my hair is done, no matter if I have eyeliner or not, it doesn't change who I am as a person. If I'm just being my authentic self all the time. So the exterior starts to matter way less. Although granted, when I wear my hair curly, it apparently gives a lot of people permission to also be curly because it's not common still in the workplace. But I waste so much less energy trying to maintain an appearance of something I'm not or trying to be consistently 100 all the time. That's not real life. It's not sustainable. That's burnout. That's when you push yourself so hard or you're trying to do your work and show up for everyone around you and show up as the version you think they want you to be when instead you could just let them know who you really are and enjoy that that much more. You said so many things that we didn't even touch on. I'm just like, that's how you're going to end it? <laughs> that's, how, that's what you're going to do? <laughs> I don't know. What? Let's just see what happens. I mean, you can keep going if you want. I'm here. I don't know. Maybe it's two episodes. I don't know. We're Maybe here. it's two what episodes. Do what do you feel right now? Be your authentic self. Well, you is said- you the, said Is that the clip? Me yelling, be your authentic self? <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe it is i mean yeah i don't want to take it to be your top but no there's so many things that you that you mentioned i was like wait what you didn't say that in the episode like the fact i mean you, you pretty much said that you spent time crafting this like other persona that you were showing up as oh, yeah. um i didn't you in the episode you made it seem like no like i just learned how to how to like just well, navigate was, read the room etc i said i was good at it i didn't say i enjoyed it i didn't say i loved it <laughs> I think there's a big difference, right? Because you can learn how to be good at something. Doesn't mean you love it. Doesn't mean it's the real you. Like I have a friend who's so good at finance and he can't stand it, but he's good at it. And I'm sure it's killing his soul to keep showing up that way. Like I was, I was trained in almost, um, there's a really good book by uh, Don, Don Miguel Ruiz. And he talks about human domestication. We become the domesticated versions of ourselves. And to an extreme point, I once had a mentor tell me in response to me saying I was going through so many things, it was in a very difficult time. And she said, Mia, you've been sanitized because I was showing up the way that I thought everyone needed me to show up because it got it done, because it was appropriate, because it was understandable, because there was a certain way people wanted me to fit into the cell of a spreadsheet in order to be effective. And then I got tired because not only was I trying to do my work, I was trying to make sure people around me understood the work and understood the words coming out of my mouth. I'm speaking English, but apparently it's still hard to understand. And also have a sense of like, who am I? And can I switch on and off? And I know how to do that very well. I can switch all the time, but am I now living two different lives? And there was a point when I realized the work I, I crafted for myself, which I love in the multicultural space meant that I get to be in community. And then I go back into the matrix and do the work that allows me to do what I really care about. And I knew people perceived me a certain way externally where people were calling me like their fairy godmother of Latinos at Google, like it was wild. And then internally I'm like, do y'all even get it? Like what this means to people? And that's not a knock on any company. I say that all the time because everyone wants you to be that angry Latina, angry black woman, all right, or so, so passionate and all that. It wasn't that, it was that I knew what it took to get buy-in, have the data points come correct with all of that. Even make sure my hair looked a certain way. Like, obviously I'm not wearing hoops to the office. By the end I did, by the way. 
but I did what I thought was needed in order to get things done. What did you and think what I realized, needed, by the way? To be palatable. To not look controversial. I was like, I'm not here to distract them with anything about how smart I am and effective I am at my job. I'm super strategic and I can play that role. But it was really tiring because I was just like, ugh, like, when do I get to relax? I live and breathe this all the time. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that necessarily. On the exterior, there wasn't anything wrong and that I'm glad I knew how to shift gears and volume control, all that. What was wrong on the inside though, was realizing that I was doing it for the wrong reasons. Because when I went on a tangent, when I jumped to slide 10 in my head before slide two, and that is now too much for linear thinker, those moments made me feel othered. Like there's something wrong with me. Like I'm crazy. I was diagnosed with ADHD about three years ago. And prior to that, I didn't know that I'm chemically composed in a very different way than most people around me. My authentic self is all ideas all the time running on 50 cylinders. I don't even know how many there really are and doing the most, but I had to learn to at least look like I'm only doing three or I have these goals, this roadmap, all that. I could, I could confine everything I was doing into a way that was understandable in a presentation, a planning document, all that. I could do that. I learned how to do the rules of the game in order to be effective at what I wanted to set out to do. I was like, I can't compromise on my mission. I have things to do. I knew how to do the mental Olympics to make sure they understood what I was doing, uh, reporting, measurement. I knew how to measure very intangible things, impact. I could, I could do that. I could do that all day. But the cost was that I wasn't being authentic enough. I could do it outside of work, but I wasn't being authentic, acknowledging. It's more that no one told me that I was just in an environment that really valued a skill set and a performance that is different than what's natural to me. So I could do that, but that wasn't where I was meant to be. I was successful. I have a 30 under 30 thing behind me. I made the Forbes list. I did the things that make us successful. But at the end of the day, I was tired because you can only do that for so long. And I gave a talk once at this conference for 300 women. It was super all about empowerment. And I got on stage and I said, normally you hear me come talk about ads and analytics, all these things. I can do that. But little did you know, I had these brain injuries. I've had a lot of hard things happen. And so now I'm here to talk about how to find your light when the world thinks you're shining. Because I went through a lot and I know you all have to. And every single person sitting here and sitting next to you has no idea what you're going through and you don't know what they're going through, but we're all here smiling for the gram, for our employers, for our families, for kids, for whatever. We're shining for everyone else. Or are we shining for ourselves? And, and I said, what happens when you take off your hoops? And I took them off and I'm like, I'm not going to fight anybody. What happens when you take off your heels? I was barefoot on stage, took off my heels and it kind of freaked people out a little bit. Like, Oh, what is happening? <laughs> she's taking off her shoes. She's taking off her heels. And I was like, at the end of the day, when you take off all these layers, the conditioning, the presentation, the posturing, the hair, the makeup, do you like who you still see in the mirror and embrace that person? Because now I just did a talk for a major corporation today and apparently the CMO liked it. The CMO looks nothing like me. And I still said, I still said all the strategy I said before, I still brought all the data points, all the packaging I know how to do, I do it, I did it. I can do that all day. But now I present that knowing that it, as soon as the camera's off, well, even while well, I'm authentic on myself, but as soon as it's off, 
the point actually is while the camera's on and while it's off, I know that there's nothing wrong with me now because I'm a creative, I'm a hyper creative. I am strategic, I'm analytical, I'm also spiritual and intuitive, and I can be all those things at once. And I get to pick and choose which one I bring to the table instead of thinking these are wrong, these are not welcome here, there's something wrong with me. It's just that no, they just may not get it. Maybe they don't even deserve to hear about it. But that process took a long time where I can still show up and be the analytical person and I can reference all the things I've done and no one can take that from me. I am the expert of my own experience. But when I was doing that, when I was developing that expertise, no one told me that there's a place for your creative ideas, your free flow, your, your serendipitous way of living and the magic I was making. No one told me that. So I had to learn that for myself. Yeah. I, I love the fact that you highlighted that it's a lot of work to live that dual identity. People think it's as simple as just like throwing on a pair of hoop earrings and just go walking to work. I always share the example that I would legit assign myself homework on the weekends to study white popular American culture. Like instead of listening to Bad Bunny, I would study Bruce Springsteen. I would listen to just albums of his work so that um, when I go into work Monday morning, you know, people are like, oh my God, what'd you do this weekend? Oh my God, I was just, just reminiscing on like all the hits. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, because at the end of the day, like at, at least this is what I think it's like at some level, like we all have the same skill set, right? Like Excel, you know, presentation, et cetera. I think what really gets you forward in certain environments and especially in corporate is, is some of the relationships that you build, right? So I tried my best legit to just feel accepted and not be other, right? So I knew that instead of talking about Insecure, where the conversation would end quickly, if I spoke about Riverdale and the new episode that came out, I was going to be relatable. And then I would be invited to that beer after work. And then that beer after work is going to lead to a meeting that, you know, I'm going to build a relationship with a sponsor, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I, I just want to empathize with you like, and highlight that it's, it's a lot of work. And also last thing, somebody said it's on the podcast. It was like, we're thriving only exerting maybe like half of our energy. Imagine if we are <laughs> allocating 100% of it, not faking it and actually just doing the work that we want to do or, you know, doing the work that we're assigned to. Yeah, totally. Like imagine if I get to be my real self and do the work and not waste energy on the posturing and the performance. Oh my God, I'd be unstoppable. And I'm doing more of that now, which is great. I do want to make sure I don't forget to tell you though, that I can completely empathize on trying to have conversations with people, meet them where they are, right? Like my boss at one point watched baseball in a, in like a very like Red Sox way that I didn't grow up with at all. And, and I didn't really fake it, but I would just let him talk about it as if I cared and kind of, oh, and ask questions and look interested. Do you know how many times we all fake looking interested because we have no idea what they're talking about, but we just like, okay, Brad, keep going. Okay. Um, Brad. One of the things that happened. I don't know, one syllable name. Usual. One of the things that happened though, when I, um, once I came into my power, I guess, um, a coach of mine helped me really own it and understand it and know that I was just going to need to translate myself a little differently and learn to speak their language and stuff like that. But when the, the moment of enlightenment happened, when I was like, frustrating things that happen to us often need to happen in order for us to actually feel uncomfortable enough to make a change. So I was so uncomfortable having been passed up for promotion twice, although made the Forbes list, but got passed up twice. Interesting. I was like, there's something off here. They don't get it. How are you putting me at the same level as someone who does way less output work than I do and is not influencing at the level that I am, doesn't have the leadership capabilities that I have, but somehow we think we're at parity. So anyway, I 
took my boss on a trip and I told him, I would like to invite you to go on a work trip with me. I have a lot of things to do in Miami. I was going almost once a month. I have agencies to meet with, record labels, all the people I was working with. Would you like to come for a ride? I think it'd be interesting to see what you think, uh, would love your input, et cetera. I took this man on the trip of his life. I took him to meet with Latin record labels, agencies I was working with, nonprofits, and at my pace. So I didn't slow down. I was like, he's the plus one and hope you can keep up. So it was like every meeting and I'm running the meeting is he's just a fly on the wall. And I was like, I'm not going to change how I do work. I need you to see me work. Did I just drop a bar? I don't know. That was kind of good. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> it just happens sometimes. Anyway, so, you know, to every meeting I was playing, reggaeton on the car. And I was like, here's this artist from this country. This is why they matter. This is why this collab is important. This is what it means for the record industry. This is why it means something important to our music companies within the bigger ecosystem. And it relates to smartphones. Da, da, da. I'm like breaking everything down to him. Every meal is authentic Latin food. And we're meeting with partners in person and we're having authentic, real conversations. It might get a little weird. We might talk about family stuff. It happens sometimes. It's kind of what we do. And we are not from the same country, but we can still relate. Anyway, so I just brought him on this like whirlwind trip, expecting very little except exposure. That's it. I was exposed to this world. You can be exposed to mine. It took a lot. I mean, it's a pretty bold move to bring him to every single meeting. I dropped him off at the airport and he said, I think I knew about 20% of the work that you do. In three days, he learned 80%, which was probably an overestimation in terms of the 20%, but fine, let's just give him the 20. So anyway, that happened. Then he comes to the, our team meeting and he's like, Hey everyone had a great time. Da, da, da. And then we're like, what was your biggest takeaway? And he's like, I need to learn how to speak Spanish. That's not going to help him do the work that I'm doing, but it was just interesting how he could realize he had no idea what I was doing and I could have just left it alone. But I now felt like, no, I know I'm doing good work. I know this is not what that person's doing. I know the output is tangibly different. I know that when I'm meeting with these executives and people at leadership levels that it's just different. It's not that this other person is fine. Do your jobs, keep sending emails, whatever. This is totally different. And I had to feel strong enough and like have the conviction to know this is objectively impressive. <laughs> this is objectively worthwhile and really dope and really fun and interesting. And so just to bring him along with me isn't something that anyone can do. Just, you know, oh, bring your boss on a work trip. But um, that to me, like at the end of that trip felt really good just to know he wouldn't have had this experience otherwise. There's only so many ways I can write snippets and emailed updates because our lives and our work is so rich and so involved that like, there's no way you're gonna get that. And I'm already trying to convey it to you in a way that's again, palatable at the table in a corporate office. You're not gonna hear Maluma blasting to understand we are a multi-dimensional 4D experience and I'm doing work. You have to come along on the ride to even understand what that looks like. I love that example. I know everyone is going to have the opportunity to like fly out their boss on, on, a, on a trip to Miami, <laughs> but that, that's really dope. Uh, one of the last questions that, that I really have for you is um, I think it's so interesting because uh, like this journey that we go on, right, of self-discovery around authenticity, you know, it's often talked about like you're alone, but it's, it's, it's not, right? Like you mentioned, you have coaches and um, you have friends that you bring along, you have peer groups and mentors one thing for me that really helped me was when I started going to therapy. Um, and I know that that's something that you're into as well. Um, I'll give you a quick example. Like there was one day at work where I was labeled aggressive and there was, you know, I went to therapy and my, and my therapist was like, well, Pabell, were you being loud? And I was like, you know what? I probably was. And she was like, Oh, that's okay. Um, have you ever felt unheard by your coworkers? And I was like, Oh, all the time. 
And she said, well, people that use a louder tone are often, often feel unheard. That's the voice of the unheard. And I wish like it would have, it would have, my career growth would have been so much. It would have went so much faster if I knew how to communicate my emotions. Like in that situation, I wish I would have had a conversation with my coworkers and said, Hey y'all, I feel unheard because of this, this, and this reason. Can we work on it? How can I feel more unheard? How can you all help me feel more safe, et cetera? Instead, I think many of us get to that point where we're labeled, you know, insert word. Um, but I think that that journey of self-discovery and highlighting the fact that you don't have to do it alone is really important. Like how how you how do you think therapy's helped you in that? Therapy and coaching and hypnotherapy and a curandera. I mean, I got a whole squad. Doesn't mean I work with them all at once, but I am all about this. And I think it's the greatest gift you can give yourself, the, the gift of self-awareness, self-discovery, self-management. And I had a friend once asked me, I had posted videos on social that I had gotten my hair blown out. And he said, is getting your hair done the, your favorite form of self-care? And I said, no, it's therapy, actually. <laughs> I don't know who decided to stigmatize therapy and to make people think it's scary or bad or you're weird or crazy. Mm -hmm. It's the most strategic thing you could possibly do. And it is so wonderful because you get to talk about yourself for an hour at minimum. And it's also not just for wealthy people or white people because you can find resources for free even or online platforms and things like that. So I think that the stigmas need to go away. The stigmas are holding us back from getting to know our real selves and getting to know on a granular level how we feel and to have someone to unpack things with. I'm a verbal processor. The more that I talk to someone, I'm like, oh my God, this all makes sense now. It's all clicking. And I appreciate the example you shared with your therapist because we just receive, right? We just receive these words and then often take them to heart and often think that they have either a relevant opinion or that they know something or maybe see something that we don't recognize for ourselves. And then we think, wow, they must be right. Instead of then having someone like your therapist to unpack it, well, what, did, what do you think that meant? And do you feel unheard? Of course, you're speaking up because you don't feel heard. And a friend of mine once who is practically a coach of his own kind, he once helped me understand the framework around communicating to people when you do X, when you do this, I feel this. And it's not just, I feel mad because that's not helpful, but again, granular, I feel embarrassed. I feel shame. I feel hurt. And it's vulnerable. It's very scary. But to the point of knowing either the data point, knowing the story coming correct, I think part of that of understanding ourselves is true too. Our feelings are always valid. We just don't often communicate them in the way that other people can receive and then know what to do with that. So most people don't, let's say for your coworkers, as an example, they probably don't want you to feel unheard they probably don't even realize that they're making you feel unseen, undervalued, and maybe they don't really feel that much about you, but they're not trying to hurt you. And it feels hurtful though. Uh, a coach of mine in the past once told me, imagine everyone's bodies are covered in bruises, but we're wearing clothes, so you can't see them. And we may not even be aware of how many bruises we have. But if you're walking towards someone, you accidentally bump them, oh, sorry, my bad, I accidentally hit you. But if you have tons of bruises that they can't see, and that hurts so bad because they hit a bruise, neither of you knows how to communicate because you're like, ah, I'm so angry. That hurts so bad. I'm in so much pain. They have no idea how to react to that because they don't even know what you're talking about. It was such a light bump. But so if someone says something to us and it triggers an insecurity and a fear or something, a trauma we have, if we're not aware of those traumas, we're going to react so much more strongly than just being able to know, oh, that's just my trauma about not feeling enough oh, that's just me feeling unheard again. And I think it's really empowering to know that instead of 
blaming it all on someone. There's a lot of work we can do to make those moments hurt us that much less. And then you realize they can't hurt you unless you give them permission of acknowledging, okay, do I want to let this comment resonate or not? If I say, I hate your blue hair and you're like, I don't have blue hair. What are you talking about? But if I say, I hate your brown hair, you're like, oh my gosh, should I dye it? Do I get rid of it? Like it feels so much more real because there's something there. We care about people's opinions or we care about how people perceive us. Back to the point though, therapy, coaching, any type of support, mental health support we can have. And mental health has a stigma as a phrase, but it's more like it's self-love. At the end of the day, it's how can you love yourself more, get to know yourself better, and then feel confident in knowing it's okay to share how you feel because someone out there might actually listen and you can have better conversations, better, better collaboration for it. And at the end of the day, if not that, then at least you know where you stand. You're not just a flurry of emotions. You can unpack it and feel like you gave yourself the gift of time to get to know yourself a little bit better. Mi gente, that wraps up this week's episode of the Quintuetas podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please do us a favor, leave us a rating and a review. It just helps us in the algorithm to ensure that these stories get heard by as many people as possible. Scaling these stories and experiences is the only way that we're going to redefine professionalism. Thank you. I see you next week.